Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. You can build like a dynasty. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You still have to go out and play the games, but like they have the ability in the core group of players right now, lock them in the Adleys, the Gunners, probably Jackson Holiday after this year. Like lock these guys in. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. What up, people? It's been a bit. It's been a bit. Episode 112, Wake and Rake Podcast. Will Middlebrooks is back. Danny Vietti is back. Look, man, one week away from pitchers and catchers starting to report Brooksy, which means the content is starting to ramp up. And we just saw this last week with the Baltimore Orioles. Things are really starting to ramp up. Yeah, it should ramp up the next couple weeks, too, because it's been boring, dude. It has been a slow off season, And I, you know, not to get too deep into this, because we have lots of other stuff to get to. Is this ownership, like, fighting back against Boris, trying to, like, slow play this into some of his guys taking less money? Because you know he, he has guys out there that are asking for the moon and, and more, right? Like, that's what Boris does. And eventually a team cracks and says, you know what? F it. We're going to give you the money. We just want to, we want to make sure we get you. Um, but I feel like ownership might be kind of fighting back a little bit because Boris has run this thing for a few years now. And this is him. I think this is them kind of saying, you know, hold up, we'll wait it out. Problem is these players don't care to wait. These guys can throw bullpens in their backyard if they need to at the high school they went to. So it's not like they're not going to be ready. So they'll wait it out for the money and somebody's going to crack and they're going to get paid just like always. Bellinger's still out there. Snell is still Snell. Th- those are both Boris guys, right? Belly yeah. and Snell. Yeah. What about is Montgomery? Is he a Boris guy? That's a great question. You should look that up so we don't sound like idiots. I'll find it. I'll find it. Baltimore. Huge news. Corbin Burns acquired from Milwaukee. The 2021 Cy Young Corbin Burns was acquired uh, late Thursday evening which gives the Baltimore Orioles a true ace, which is exactly what this team, which is on the cusp of becoming a perennial playoff contender. This is exactly what this team needs. A team that already has a lot of youth, a lot of bats in that lineup. A lot of us, myself included, thought they were just one ace away. Corbin Burns, three straight all-star games for him, a Cy Young in 21. He's finished in the Cy Young voting each of the last three, four years. This is exactly what they needed to fill a void. Yeah, and he's 29, so he's got another four or five years, solid years left in him, I think. But, I mean, <clears throat> big picture here, let's rewind like two years. 2022, the Orioles, 83 wins. And we're I remember us having this conversation, and we're like, okay, like they're probably a year ahead of schedule, maybe two years because of the youth, because of the lack of star power in their lineup, in their rotation, in their bullpen, in their entire team. And I remember us saying, hey, I really hope – they stay on the tracks and, and keep their eye on the prize and don't veer off of this right now and go, oh, we're playing well. We have a chance to maybe get a wild card spot. Let's go trade, 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 try to make it. And then all of a sudden you lose everything you've built over this teardown rebuild over the last few years. They stayed on track. They stuck to it. Even last year going into the offseason, we're like, you know, the meme, like poking them like, hey, do something. You're going to do something. They, and they didn't. And we're going, man, I feel like their windows open. They should have added. Well, they take that youth movement they have with Gunnar Henderson's and Adley Rushman's, this, the whole team, really, uh, and they rattle off 101 wins. 
<laughs> and they go to the playoffs. They get, they get swept by the Texas Rangers, eventual World Series champions. Um, but that team was a was a force. And now, like you said, they they added the one thing you felt like they were missing. I don't know if they beat the Texas Rangers with one with, with Corbin Burns. They might win one game, right? They because the Texas Rangers were just like you were hitting a buzzsaw at that point with Jordan Montgomery, Scherzer off. I mean, Scherzer didn't throw great, but um, they were just a good ball team at the time. But um, this is what they missed. They were missing an ace. And 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 looking at their rotation, right? How Bradish is nasty. Was he fourth in Cy Young votes last year? Fourth. Yep. Finished with a two eight ERA and thirty starts. Grayson Rodriguez, young kid, has the ability, has a stuff. He just got to hone it in and, and mature as a pitcher, throw more strikes, get ahead of guys. But the stuff's there. You can see that. He throws gas. He's got nasty breaking ball. He's probably your one-two punch in a postseason. Grayson Corbin. I mean, depending on how Bradish is pitching. I don't know, man. Bradish missed, missed a lot of bats. He For missed sure. a lot of bats, and he threw a lot of strikes, and he was able to work in the games. Um Let's not forget about John Means. Like, he's coming off Tommy John. He looked really good coming off Tommy John. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was way ahead of schedule because normally, especially lefties with turnover changeup, he has a really good changeup, two-seamer, pitches into righties. you got to have good command with that stuff because he doesn't throw gas. He was dotting. And normally, control and finesse and touch of off-speed pitches is the last thing to come normally a year after Tommy John, not right when you come back. Remember with Shohei when he came back? Like, his stuff was great but he had no idea where it was going. That's normal. And then the next year he was locked in. So John Means is is, is really good. And then they have Dean Kramer in their five, as their five. He threw 170 plus innings. If your five is eating innings, your bullpen's chilling. Because normally four or five is when your bullpen is having to go to long guy. Because your starter goes four innings, maybe five. You got to cover four or five innings and you get in a bad spot. So they're in a good place, man. I think they could add a bat. You know, I... I I don't know. They could add a bat. They could also not and be totally fine because this is a team who I'm, ra- I'm I'm just rolling right now and I'll let you talk. But they have built this thing from the ground up, literally. Like they tore it down, rebuilt it, they scouted, they drafted, they they developed these kids, and they developed this uh mindset of winning in the minor leagues. And now all these kids won together. You look back in the minor leagues, like they had solid seasons as they came up together. They've won together. They know they can win together, and they and they believe they're going to win every day. They pull up to to the yard, which is half the battle. Because I remember when when they were losing ninety games a year, they're rolling up, and you know these guys are coming to the ballpark going, "Fuck, about to get that ass clapped again." Here we go, and like that's a bad feeling. I've been part of teams like that, and that's Me tough. Too. So like the belief that hey, we're good, and they're that young, th- this window's open for like. The next five, six years, while these guys are controllable, they're making league minimum. You're going to have two, three years of arbitration with these guys. Hopefully, they take the Atlanta Braves route and lock down some of these guys. So you have them for the next seven, eight years. And let's say that you, you know, you want to trade them five, six years from now. Great. You can. But like, if not, you have a, you can build like a dynasty. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You still have to go out and play the games, but like they have the ability in the core group of players right now, lock them in the Adleys, the Gunner, probably Jackson Holiday after this year. Like lock these guys in. I don't know if they're going to be able to retain Corbin Burns. He's on a one year 15.6 million. That takes their payroll to a projected like 98. They still have so much room. I'm not saying they're going to, but we don't know what this new uh, ownership group is, is about. 
-hmm. They came in and slapped this on the table. (laughs) Here you go. 48 hours later. So like what's next, right? So over the next couple of years, you might see a lot of action. It's going to be a good off season for free agents coming up too. So could be look could get a little spicy in the AL East. I think this point is is crucial, especially for 2024. So if you remember, unfortunately, Felix Batista underwent Tommy John surgery, and so he's going to be out for 2024. All all, all likelihood, you know, in who knows? Craig Kimbrell, we'll see what he has left. He brings in they bring in Craig Kimbrell to help with that closer situation. But I think what the addition of Corbin Burns does is they still have Tyler Wells. Yes, they still well, have Cole Irvin. You mentioned Dean Kramer. So you have three, four players that are fighting for that four or five starting rotation spot. And whoever isn't really getting it done, maybe they can kind of take a backseat into a bullpen role. Because well, what in happens- today's game, what's in, one of the most important guys in the bullpen is the long guy. The guys that can give you two, three innings, the two bridge. plus innings. The bridge. The bridge guy. That That is a very important role. That used to be your worst pitcher. Yeah. Now it's essentially another fifth starter, but you he lost a job, or you or he has the ability to be better out of the bullpen, you know, getting up, getting hot, quick, that type guy. So, um, if you're able to have two guys that can go two plus innings, it's huge, it's huge. And Tyler Wells got good stuff. I mean, I talked to I remember talking to Jim Palmer about him in Baltimore last April, and he said, out of all the guys we have, I love. I love Bradish, but I think Tyler Wells has some of the best stuff. He just has to figure it out. Jim Palmer, he knows what he's talking about. It's cool, too, because this new whole ownership group, and I want to dive into a little bit deeper on exactly what this transition is going to be. But a lot of this Baltimore ownership group includes some of these former Baltimore Orioles, including Kyle Ripken Jr., which is really cool for the city. I just want to give a little bit of a status update on Baltimore right now, who's just as a franchise is having an incredible off season so far. So a little status update on the Orioles. They acquired 2021 Cy Young Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers. They extended the lease at Camden Yards for another 30 years. So they're going to be in 30 years, man. That's insane. Three decades. When did it open? Oh gosh. I'm putting you on the spot, but I like, I don't know. I, I I would guess like mid nineties, late nineties, late nineties. Early 90s, 92. 92, okay. I was thinking like 96, okay. When were you born? 88. 88. Yeah. I was three. There you go. Three decades more Camden Yards. And, and there's a little bit of nuance there because there's like a, basically like a team option after the first like 10 years, 15 years or something like that where they, if they want to build a new ballpark, they can. But but the point is they have new ownership. They want to stay in Baltimore. They have a lease for another 30 years. They also have team control. Of all of the following players through 2027, Brooksy, Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle, Felix Batista, Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Dean Kramer, and Yenier Cano. That's your core. And they have control of these guys for another three, four seasons. And guess what? And, and your shortstop, who's about to make the team. That's my next point. They have the number one ranked farm system in Major League Baseball going into 2024, according to MLB.com and Baseball America. That includes the number one overall prospect in Major League Baseball in the Orioles farm system in Jackson Holiday, who is expected to potentially be their shortstop in 2024. And on top of it all, John Angelos, who is considered one of the cheapest owners in Major League Baseball history, announced the selling of the team this past week to a group of investors led by a Baltimore-born billionaire 
David Rubenstein. Which you love that. You but, love but, that because you know he's a fan of the team and you know he wants to win. Because when ownership is a fan, like they grew up there, like that matters, dude. I'm telling you, like I'm I'm looking at Red Sox ownership, and I know we're gonna get into Red Sox ownership in a little bit with with Theo and everything happening with him joining uh Fenway Sports Group, but like Sam Kennedy is one of the guys, the owners that I'm closest to. Um, he's from there, and he he just it 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 rips him apart when they lose and don't do well. Now it, it's a tough spot to be in when you're an owner and you have other ownership uh, partners that you have to you know you guys have to be on the same page. But he's a fan, and you can feel it when he talks about it. You can feel it when 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 you watch him watch games. It it matters to him. So back to Baltimore, it's just like. That, that's a perfect recipe for success is bringing someone in from the area. Obviously he's a, you know, got billions of dollars, which helps, but um, he's just going to be hungry to win, which this is the perfect timing for all of this for, for, for the Orioles. Grant Hill's part of that as well. Former NBA superstar hall of famer. He's I part didn't of know that. that. Yeah. It's like a, it's a group of What's it with NBA players and baseball. Cause LeBron is part of Fenway sports group. He's, he, he owns part of like a soccer team or something too. Liverpool. Liverpool. Well, that is owned by Fenway Sports Group. So he has oh. a he's a minority owner, yeah. Well, Alex Rodriguez just is like recently took ownership of the Minnesota Timberwolves too. Correct. So there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Money's money, I guess. Yeah. But good for Baltimore, man. What, what I, I, we're talking about like best off seasons. And a lot of times we talk about like this team added this player, this team was able to trade for this player. As a whole, you got to think of the logistics of everything as well. I think Baltimore is probably having the best offseason of yeah. any team in baseball, not because of what they've added necessarily, but what they've been able to grow yeah. from their foundation. And, you know, I'm trying to look at like most improved team and I based off of offseason and like projections going into next year, I'd have to look at like Kansas City, you know, because of yeah. like they added a lot to a young group. That that That's a Hail Mary too. I just, just smoked my desk. I just, um, I don't know. They added a lot when they didn't have much. So, I, I'm, I'm Baltimore's not going to be that much better. Like they're they won 101 games last year, right? Right. They're still going to be fighting the Yankees for the AL East, and if they don't get it, they're going to probably have the first wild card. So it's like, you're you're fine. You know what I think is a really important point too uh, to make note of is the impact that this has on the National League Central. Because the Brewers, we were kind of expecting them to kind of contract wise. They lost their manager. Yeah, their but yeah, but then they signed Reese Hoskins, and you're like, yeah, well, maybe, right? I don't know, but I think this is the best time to get rid of, or if you want to get something for Corbin Burns, you know, they get two top 100 prospects. Uh, Diaz, I actually Diaz the, uh, I think it was it was it Diaz the shortstop for the Orioles, Joey Ortiz. Ortiz, sorry, wrong last name. Excuse, excuse me. Ortiz. He he um he was obviously was roadblocked by Jackson Holiday at shortstop. Right. So could he play second base one day? Maybe they think he is going to be a good ball player. So they get a good player there. Um, DL Hall. I watched him pitch in the big leagues last year. Very good, very good stuff out of the bullpen. But the Brewers see him as a starter. Yeah. So they're going to try to make him a starting pitcher. So there's your replacement at least at the back end of their rotation. They still have Peralta. Obviously, Brandon Woodruff got GF8 because of his shoulder surgery. Yeah. Like, who's going to sign him, right? Like, someone's going to wait late and sign him. Yeah. And get a steal, I think. It really depends on how healthy he can be in 24. 
Well, you don't. There's no way. To it's kind of like a Kershaw. It's a Kershaw situation too. Correct. Like, could you imagine Correct. a team comes up midseason, swoops up Woodruff and Kershaw for the rotation? I mean, it could happen. Flip of the coin. Who knows what happens with that? Those are big surgeries. So you know what this tells me? This trade is the Pittsburgh Pirates probably just added another one to two wins. Yeah, because Corbin I, Burns I, is probably going to pitch I, against the Pirates one, two, three, maybe right. even three times in the season. Yeah. Not just the Pirates, makes, but... Well, this trade also makes me think about the stock of Dylan Cease. Like, now I feel like he might not get... Tra- I don't think he gets traded before the season. I think he's like a June-July trade at this point. Do you think this ups the price for guys like Snell and Montgomery and these other starting pitchers on the market? Or do you think it has any impact at all? Uh, well, they're free agents, so they're, it, it it's different. Yeah. But, like, now the supply is less because some people are like well we have some trade candidates but we also have some free agent options and so it has an impact it ups the price like putting pressure on teams like okay we got to get this done like there's one less key guy that you can go get right like i still see a lot of smoke from boston on montgomery and like a lot of things tell me they're not going to sign them like they're done but then i start reading things and it's and i start looking at payroll and i'm like it still makes sense for them to sign him if they can get. Obviously, they want to get him at a certain number, and um, if he is a Boris, I can't remember if he's a Boris guy. Did you ever look that up? He is. He's a Boris guy. He is. Yeah. So that's another reason he's he's being strung out this long because I guarantee he's asking for like a seven year deal, which in real reality probably four years is is realistic. It's a great segue. Let's talk about the new Fenway Sports Group. I say new. I, I more so mean just because Theo Epstein is going to be. Uh, he's going to take over a senior advisor role for Fenway Sports Group, which is huge. I mean, he comes back to Boston after ending the curse um, yeah. with everything that he did for both Boston. And then he moved on to a role with the Chicago Cubs. He ended the drought there. He went into a role with the uh, Major League Baseball executive group. And then now he's kind of taking one more juncture here with the uh, back to Boston and making his return. So uh, you think it's going to be a big impact, small impact? Having his um, voice and knowledge, say, in the I would say big room. impact. You don't bring yeah. a guy in like Theo Epstein and not give him an important role. Um, I'm interested to see the details of this role play out. Um, obviously, okay. So Fenway Sports Group owns like a, a racing company in NASCAR. They own Liverpool Football Club. They own the Pittsburgh Penguins as of last year, I believe. Uh, I'm missing. No, oh, well, they just invested $1.5 billion into PGA. Um, they also own like the, I forgot what it's called, like the Boston Commons, like a golf league or whatever that is. Um, they, have, they have their hands in a lot of different things right now. Um, John Henry and Tom Warner are those two main guys in that. Uh, now, Sam Kennedy is another part of ownership um, who I spoke of earlier, Boston area guy. Kind of does most of their baseball stuff. Um, he's the one talking to the media. He's the face. He's the microphone. Like he's the guy out there talking while John Henry and Tom Warner are, you know, doing business elsewhere most of the time. So um I think this is smart to bring in a baseball mind when you have your focus on so many things other than just the Boston Red Sox as a total ownership group. Like this is another set of eyes and hands. That's probably going to be mostly focused on baseball. All right. So to put the puzzle pieces together a little more, Craig Breslow, when he got done playing, he went into the front office with the Chicago Cubs. 
Everything he learned was from Theo. Theo taught him everything he needs to know about being a GM, about running a team, about scouting, about everything, everything. All right. That's another thing. He is basically an advisor to Breslow at this point. You know, he's and they're very close. They have a good relationship. So you got to think that um, he's going to be highly involved in baseball ops. Um, now, Theo himself, I mean, you hit on it a little bit, but Theo represents. So this means a lot to the fan base, obviously. Yeah. Um, Theo represents. Um, it's the best way, best way to say it. He represents a uh, like a transformative era in Boston Red Sox history, right? 04 breaks a curse, wins a World Series, 86 years, no World Series, boom, wins. Doesn't stop there. He scouts, he develops, wins it again in 07. Scouts, develops more. Probably played a bigger part in the 2013 than people think because of the young guys that came up. He drafted me. He drafted a lot of guys that had a part of that team that year. Um, now, he left after 2011, the debacle, end of the season, lost in Baltimore, the Rays, you know, Longoria, Homer, all that. And it was time to go. You know, he left. Um, obviously brought a World Series to Chicago. Like, this is a guy that's well-respected through baseball. And Boston fans are excited because there's been nothing to be excited about this offseason. Mm -hmm. Giolito was a great sign. It's not going to change their season by any means. I think Theo Epstein is the greatest acquisition the best Boston Red Sox made this offseason by far. I don't think he is going to impact the 2024 Red Sox that much just because he just got here and we're kind of out of time. I do think going forward, he plays a very big part in the success and the re-emergence of the Boston Red Sox. And what the Orioles have really taught us too, I, I don't want to just backtrack here. I, this is Red Sox related. It's just how important the draft is. Because oh when you God. can draft and build a system it's not just creating a roster through the draft. It's also being able to trade for a Corbin Burns or even like this, what the San Diego Padres, I know they haven't been able to hoist a trophy or anything, but what they've been able to do through their system, they were able to acquire Juan Soto because of their farm system. Right. You know, the list goes on. When, when you deem your big league team open for business, or I shouldn't say open for business, like your windows open to win now, you got to have liquid funds put it that way you got to have players that you're okay moving and normally it is tough for guys who gms and uh you know heads of scouting departments they develop these guys they're attached to them it's hard for them to let them go but then you see turnover with new gms you see new ownership stuff like that they're not tied to those guys so they're much more willing to trade them and bring in pieces to help them succeed right now because at the end of the day succeeding right now when you're a new executive looks the best no one wants you to no one wants a new owner or a new gm and them say you know what we're gonna be good in seven years no they want to win now especially in places like boston so we'll see i don't know there's this narrative that's that's really been talked about a lot in the past couple of years though that there are no rebuilding years in boston no and, and, and yet we're kind of seeing a reluctance from ownership seemingly in Boston in regards to spending money. So I'm going to ask yeah, yeah, this. It's still, they still have a $200 million payroll. It's not like they're, you know what I mean? Are they, let me ask you this though. Are, are they ready to compete in 2024? No, no, no. So no. you think this is a There's still time. I think if all of a sudden they're like, I think if they sign, uh, 
Jorge Soler and Jordan Montgomery, they're much better ball club. Do you I think, think their win still... total goes from like 81, 82 to like 87? Do you think they're still active right now? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. The thing is, is they have a ceiling. And there's some of these teams that are competing that are just going to get in the bidding war and the Red Sox are going to be like, we're out. Because I think they made it pretty clear we want to stay around 225, 230 as far as payroll goes. And they're right around 200 right now. So, Are they going to bring him back, Duval? He's an option. I like Solaire, but I think... I, think, I like he's for, I think he's asking for like three or four years, and I think they wanted to give him like two. So decisions to be made there. I like Solaire a lot, especially at Fenway. I like Duvall a lot, but he's streaky. When he's hot, he's melting hot. When he's cold, there's no one colder. Great Solaire's dude. He's actually a good defender too. Solaire's only 31. Yeah. Oh, he's he's I, about I, I should say he's about to turn 32 in two weeks. So. Okay. But still. Yeah. A lot, a lot of pop. Mucha pop. Okay, if you look at the American League East, best off seasons, worst off seasons, the way I see it, Orioles and Yankees are at the top. Yeah. Yankees, their acquisition of Soto, obviously that's huge. Just signing a Mark Stroman. I, mean, I think the Red Sox offseason has been better than the Rays. That's where I was getting to. So I think it's like Orioles, Yankees, and then there's a little bit of space in between. The Blue Jays have, I don't think they've gotten better or worse necessarily. No, they're just kind of like a B minus. Off yeah. season, like they added Justin Turner, which dude, I'm telling you, he's gonna be great for that team. Yes, I was so bummed when the Red Sox didn't bring him back. Mm-hmm. So, but you're losing um, Matt Chapman, most likely. I mean, I, I yeah, he's probably going he's probably out good. west, he's probably going back to Bob Melvin and, and the Giants. I think so. so but um, then there's like a bigger, I think there's an even bigger space between the next tier, and that's Rays and Red Sox down at the bottom. Yeah. The Red Sox actually like made additions Tyler O'Neill is a good pickup Tyler O'Neill I mean Giolito yeah I mean they got uh you know the trade with Verdugo bringing in some bullpen arms the Um, thing the thing with the Rays though is like the expectations for the Rays is just so small so I think for the Rays the reason that their offseason has been tanked so hard is because of the situation that they have with their shortstop or may I even say former shortstop now in Juan Franco. Like that's really well, and crazy. and they traded their ace, that too, yeah. So like, like oh, he's too expensive. He's got to go. So you know, I talked about this on CBS earlier. They asked me to you know what was my thoughts on on the Rays offseason. And I was like, or what I think you know they be this year without Tyler Glass now. And I was like, this will be my sixth year with CBS. And I think every year I've said this is the year the Rays stink. Yeah. And they never do because they still have that equation that plays and they're going to throw three bullpen days, days at you a week and they're going to win ball games. It's just what they do. They run guys into the ground and they get rid of them or they blow out. But they have a system and it works and they win games and they, they're scrappy and they, they figure it out. They're like an analytical machine, which a lot of teams are, but the Rays do it without star power, which makes it more impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't think they compete this year. I don't. So you're going for seven straight years? Seven straight, but like this one, but Baltimore's <laughs> back. Like Baltimore rattled off 101 last year. They got better. The Yankees won 90-something games last year. They got better. They have three legit starters. Now, the health of Carlos Rodon, and, you know, their rotation, the success of their rotation kind of hinges on that because he's the number two. You know what you're going to get out of Garrett Cole. But Stroman's good, man. I think he thrives in that yeah. environment. I think he thrives in – uh, he's going to take pride in wearing the pinstripes. 
He's going to love that pressure to win. He's going to he's going to be really good. He's going to love coming in Fenway and trying to shove it up their ass. Like that's he he's he's the type of player that, that runs off of energy and he's going to have it there. So I think Baltimore and New York fighting at the top. Probably the Rays and the Blue Jays. I want to say fighting for third. I think third place is going to be the Blue Jays. And then um, it's going to be more Rays and Red Sox, I think, fighting for fourth. Yeah. I mean, there's still more to be figured out, too. There is. I mean, like I said, if the Red Sox get Montgomery, like things look a lot different. If they get Solaire, things look a lot different when you have that right-handed pop they've been looking for. Um, And you get a full season of Trevor Story. Who knows? Another year of Tristan Casas maturing as like an everyday first baseman. Rafael Devers. Like they still have good players. Well, that final, to, they final, final question I have for you. Uh, we're about a week late, but we got busy, so we didn't really get a touch on it. But any uh, issues with the Hall of Fame ballot? It's Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, and guys like Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Billy Wagner. They did not make the cut. Right. So I don't think Joe Maurer is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Famer. I just don't, he doesn't come. I know his numbers are uh, boosted because he's a catcher or he was a catcher for a lot of his career before he moved to first base uh, later in his career. Um, Adrian Beltre is exactly what a first ballot Hall of Famer is and should be, and they got that exactly right. If he was unanimous, I wouldn't have been surprised, but I know the writers don't do that because they're douchebags. Um, Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer. I'm just thinking, I remember uh, I was teammates with 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 Beltre in Texas, and he was just like the utmost pro best one of the best human beings i ever played with todd helton i was playing third base when he had his last career homer that's cool so that was that was pretty cool jake P. Hey, was pitching. favorite uh adrian beltray story you got any um i mean i was with them when he got 3000 hits so i was have like a bunch of stuff signed of i gotta dig it out like a bat and a ball sign when he got 3000 hits um i mean he by that point he was just such a legend he kind of kept to himself but he was my locker mate. He was the locker right next to me. Yeah. And um, it was my birthday, September 9th, my birthday. So late in the season. And uh, they sing happy birthday. It was me and one other like young pitcher. And they had these two big cakes on like, we had a ping pong table in there. And they're singing us happy birthday. It's like Rudinetto Door, Elvis Andrus, uh, Bel- Beltre with me. And then uh, Carlos Gomez, which he's a psychopath. So they sing us happy birthday. And then they shove our faces in the cake. Nice. I've seen the video. You can throw it on here. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he's just a fun guy, man. Like, but he was so locked in once it came game time. Um, I remember we were in Seattle. It was early on. It was 2017, so it was early on in Edwin Diaz's career. And we were watching video on him, and we were talking about it a little bit. And then we faced him later in that game, and he came in, and it was one of those. It, that was before he kind of figured it out. He was all over the place, but his shit was electric. Like he's like one on one with super sync, nasty slider, and it was like in the back of your head, you didn't know where the ball was going. So it made it that much harder to like stand in there and stay on that slider because you thought he was going to hit you in the neck with 102. Um, we came in after the game, and we're just like getting undressed and talking ball. And he looked at me, he goes. If that kid figures it out, he's going to be one of the best closers in the game. And I was like, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> he was right. He, <laughs> he was really good there for a couple of years, and so he blew his knee out in the WBC. But uh, he'll be back. 
Um, back to your original question, Gary Sheffield is a Hall of Famer. Agreed. Uh, Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer, and Billy Wagner is sure as shit a Hall of Famer. It's it's I'm fucking pissed actually that the Sheffield didn't didn't get in because that was his last year I, I believe. It was, and that's bullshit. The 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 committee should put him in. He's a Hall of Famer. He was well, it... one of the most him and Barry Bonds were like two of the most feared hitters of that era. So the fact that he's he's not in the Hall of Fame is a, is a joke to me. You know well, what? It's, it's, and it's a lot of it has to do that writers. You're gonna get me going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get pissed. You know what? It shouldn't be a popularity contest. Writers should not vote for him because he wasn't giving them hugs and being nice to him. None of that shit matters. Vote based off of the player on the field, not if he was nice to you or not. That's bullshit. Doesn't matter. The the, the only issue, and it's not my issue. I'm playing devil's advocate here is that the writers would say that Sheffield was included on a list that but he never a list of PED users. You know what? I, I agree. I'm with you. David I'm Ortiz you. was included on the list. I know. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. First ballot. First ballot. And so to your point, I don't understand how writers can be like he must have used steroids. No, he probably didn't use because Sheffield wasn't fucking up their ass and like yeah. giving them hugs and talking and hanging out and having beers with them. Right. He was there to play ball and he was hard nosed and he was rough around the edges and he was an asshole. But that doesn't matter when you're voting for the Hall of Fame. His play and and his you can watch baseball and watch guys play and be like, that's a Hall of Famer. He yeah. was one of those guys. Nine time All Star, World Series winner, five time silver slug, five hundred and nine career homers. He also only had like what? Yeah, and normally 500 homers or 3,000 hits, like that's a for sure, like you're in, like milestone. He only had like a 60 war, I think, because his defense was bad. I think we can both agree, just by the eye test, Sheffield was a better player than Todd Helton. Yeah, oh yeah. And I love Todd Helton. I'm not saying I he love Todd Helton, but like Sheffield was just in that top tier of like, you don't want to face this guy because he's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Like at any point, he's going to hit your shit to the moon. And the whole world was doing this in their backyard. Me, you're probably too young, but I was doing it. Oh, yeah, we did definitely get the, uh, the paper roll from the, uh, the wrapping paper. Anything, anything. Yeah. So he's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Super Bowl. What do you got? Ooh, this is tough. Who's mm. favored? I think the Niners the are favored. Niners are favored by one and a half. One and a half. It was two and a half. It might be. Originally. It might be. Hold on. It was two and a half, and then I know it went down to two. Oh, man. My gut tells me Niners. I love I love the Niners. Uh, Plus two. Favorite. The Niners are favored by two. Minus two. The latest odds as of February 2nd. Yeah. Um, I like the Niners, but this should be a banger of a game. Yeah. I, you know, I was trying to go this whole episode with I'll drop it at F bomb, and you got me fired up about writers voting on Hall of Fame. What are you gonna do? I uh, so I spent some time at the NFC. Fo- uh, we had a specialty shoot because the I Super Bowl is on CBS and Paramount Plus this year, which is fantastic. Guys were super cool. Best guy that you could ever talk to and pick a brain of is Kyle Uzcheck, fullback for the Niners. Oh, just a dude. really 
cool dude how about his wife making the jackets and everything you yeah. know where that was pretty sick yeah yeah and he's he's just a really winner. nice dude um got to talk with mccaffrey for a bit bosa bosa's an interesting dude he seems like a space cadet a little bit or like <laughs> not not no not a space cadet just like really smart for like a big who you would you would think those guys are just big dumbasses you know debo samuel like super brainy debo samuel big league me big time oof yeah i walked up to him kind of gave him a little pat what's up man danny cbs sports social can i just grab you for a couple minutes for a couple social questions didn't answer me turned his head looked straight to his pr guy he said do i have to do this pr guy shook his head debo looked at me shakes his head said, all right thanks for your time damn that's bullshit yeah. All it takes then, is to be like, "Hey, man, I'm busy. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't have yeah. anything. I can't." And, right and, and in like the shoot, don't like, was, yeah. the shoot was taking too long, too, and so Debo just grabbed his stuff and left before his time up on so, the. Like, I will say, I'm not justifying it because that's bullshit. You should never act like that to another human being. Yeah. But um, like when we had the World Series and like we have this whole like media day and stuff, it's a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, a lot. And I wasn't a star player. Like Debo Samuel's like one of their dudes. Mm. So I'm sure everyone wants a piece. But it's hours of like talking about the same shit over and over. I get it. You're in the World Series. You're a big leaguer. That's part of it. You've got to do your job. But like, yeah, he shouldn't treat you like that. But in the same breath, like, it's a lot. No, it is. It is. You got to go. There's four different stations you got to go to. It's, I, I get it. You know, it wasn't like, but, but I'm not still, saying. Like, just, just, just be a good dude. It's not hard to just be like, man, I, I can't. Sorry. And then that's it. And you're like, and you don't have a bad taste in your mouth. But after that, like, he won't even look at you. He looks at someone else. Like, Baseball's close, people. Super Bowl coming up, which means baseball season is just about here. Pitchers yeah, can court in a week. We'll be back here. Wake and Rake podcast. Talking more ball. A lot of free agents still left to be decided. Brooksy, thanks for jumping on, brother. Of course, man. Peace.